Hi everybody, it's great to be with you this morning and with you at home. And uh, the inspiration for our prayer this morning has come from Psalm 31, just verse 14 and 15. But I trust in you, O Lord, I say, you are my God, my times are in your hands. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we can still gather as your family today, no matter where we are. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is with each one of us, each home and each person, Lord, and here in this room with us and with all the other churches and families who are worshipping you in their own circumstances today. It's not about where we gather, but how we gather. We can worship you anywhere and with anyone, but we are grateful for the technology we have available to us during these times and for the hard work of our worship and tech teams that make it possible for us to still feel connected to each other as we gather here and in our homes to worship you today. We thank you for the good news of our report this morning and to know that we have a strong future and uh, that you are working in this place, Lord, to bring about all of the ministries and life that you require and equip and enable us for. So, Father, we thank you that you have brought us through a difficult year but with still a very positive future and great joy and hope. Lord, as we gather this morning, we come with hearts that are hungry for more of you and a desire to know you more deeply and hearts that need your forgiveness for our sins in what we think, what we say and what we do. I pray for your peace and blessing to be with us all. Let the joy of who you are rise up in us and touch each heart, Lord, children and adults alike. Thank you for the faith of each person in our church and the changes you are making in our lives and in our hearts as we yield ourselves to you. I ask that you give us spiritual wisdom and understanding, Lord, and especially that you give us more knowledge of yourself and your love for us. Please help each one of us to seek to know your will and to live to honour and please you. Your word tells us to guard our heart above everything else, for from it flows the issues of life. It's in our heart that we decide what is important and what isn't. Help us to seek your wisdom regarding every decision we make based on the truth of your word. Lord, we continue to go through testing times, all kinds of things, and I pray that we can keep our eyes on you because you are faithful. Nothing can overcome you or your plans. We thank you that when everything around us is changing, sometimes on a daily basis, you are the same, yesterday, today and forever. You are the Lord and you do not change. You are mighty and you know the end from the beginning. Our trust is in you alone because our times are in your hands. I pray we will have strength, patience and confidence as we wait for your answers to be worked out where the battle with COVID is being fought. And I pray for Premier Marshall, Police Commissioner Stevens and Professor Spurrier. They are doing a very difficult job with such grace and patience. Lord, protect them from the criticism that comes. Thank you for their diligence and the thorough way they go about the task they have been given. 
Thank you for the amazing job they have done in protecting us all. And I pray your blessing, peace and encouragement over them and their families today. Please fill us all with your love, joy and peace. And may we recognise the opportunities you will give us in the coming week to share your love and be a blessing to others. And may all the honour and the glory and the praise be yours, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand. We're going to sing of the hope we have, the living hope that we have in Jesus. That is not dependent on circumstance or feelings, but stands firm through all seasons of life. It's a super honour to welcome Alan up to the stage now, and he's going to uh, give the word. Um, just, just a little bit, um, just, I want to share. When I first came uh, to the, the Christian Family Centre and I was sort of getting my head around uh, the CRC denominational family, part of that was getting in contact with Alan really early on and having uh, a lot of conversations over the phone in terms of the pathways of credentialing and things like that. So I've known Alan for a, a long time. Well, the time that I've been here is, as part of the CRC. And uh, Alan is such a, a humble and amazing uh, man of God. And we really thank you for coming to share with us today. Uh, it, it almost didn't happen. Uh, at the start, start of the week, um, we, were, we were in conversation. And uh, the theme for today, as, as you're sharing, the Holy Spirit was saying, I, I really feel like I want to share on this particular theme. And I thought... That, that's spot on, and I, I want to hear that today. <laughs> and, and then COVID happened, we thought, oh, we're going back to the drawing board, I'm going to have to do something different. And then it came alive again, and, and we're here again today. So, so we really want to welcome you and, uh, yeah, pray for you as you come and, and speak God's word over us. Thanks, Alan. Isn't it interesting? Um, I, I think my wife would not agree with the definition of what Sam described me as, because she actually knows me. Um, and um, but but it has been a great privilege just to be um, 
in God's family, wherever it is. And um, so um, I, I just want to say thank you for the privilege of being able to be here and to share some thoughts and insights that God's given me. Um, the, the subject that I want to talk about this morning um, is something that probably not too many of you would have gone through, so maybe foreign, but the subject is suffering. <laughs> Why do I have to suffer this suffering? If we could start the PowerPoint, thanks, Dave. And sometimes we feel like a, one of those arcade, arcade games where you're the little ball that's just being bounced around and you have no control. There's just random agents causing a chaos. Other times it's like a cement truck where you just go around and around and around and it feels like there's no ending. But I want to share a few thoughts today that will help us understand a little bit about what suffering is, how to deal with it, and to learn from some people who suffered amazingly in the Bible. Um, I think it's also quite appropriate. Uh, the thought that I had is that we need to actually dig the well ready for the water to come in. And sure enough, we've got rain this morning that uh, wasn't in sight a few days ago. Um, it's no good digging the well when we think we need water. We need to dig the well well and truly before the water comes, before the storms come, so we can capture it. We need to still our soul. We need to give it peace so that when the suffering comes, we're able to handle it. And um, I shall share a few thoughts. 2 Corinthians 1.4 is a beautiful, beautiful passage. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Can you imagine if we did not suffer, if there was no suffering here on this planet Earth, would we have compassion for others? I dare say no. Oh, well, you know, they got themselves in this pickle. They need to deal with it. Well, it's not quite the picture that God has for us. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. It's the pass it on principle. Um, in the Bible, um, suffering is regarded as an intrusion into God's creation because when God created the earth, not only was it good, but it was very good. And then we're told in Revelation that um, in the end times, that it's going to be very good again. But right now, we are in a sandwich. And the sandwich is very good, very good, not so good. Because we have humans occupying this land and humans are not perfect. We are perfectly imperfect. And out of that imperfection, we actually make some mistakes. Tragedies happen. Um, the Bible says that the earth is groaning in travail as it prepares. Everything is a muck and a miss, but we have to learn to deal with that. Um, so how do you feel like when you're in a sandwich? Do you feel like there's no escape or do you look for the past event that actually locked you in and for the future hope that we have that will sustain us through this journey and to get us there. Quite a few years ago, I, I, I did some um, serious study. I did a thesis on uh, healing, and part of that was looking at the whole journey of suffering. And the standout thing, oh, and incidentally, 
Joe's dad was my guidance director. He was, he was awesome. I love the guy, Graham Buxton, by the way. Um, and the, ultimately, my finding was that healing doesn't occur because of person has incredible faith. Because there were people who had incredible faith that had incredible suffering. There were people who had incredible faith who passed away. There were people who had no faith that were healed. But here's the thing. The people that had a good, strong faith had a easier journey through the process. And so it was an eye-opener for me to see that the attitude of a person did not necessarily determine the outcome, although there's very good psychological reasons to say that it can do, but what it did do was equip them for the journey, the journey to prepare themselves for what was coming and to handle that and to comfort others with the comfort that he first gave us. The comfort we're going to be talking about this morning is not found in drugs and alcohol. It's not ripping off a band-aid and exposing a gaping wound. Neither is it found by simply praying and wishing or hoping that the situation would diffuse, that it would go away. But rather, the comfort that I'm going to be specifically talking about is found in the arms of a father, empowered through the Holy Spirit and shown by Jesus Christ here on earth for 33 years and everything that he endured. If you need evidence of that, Jesus understands. If we can have the next slide, thanks, Dave. The night before his death, as Jesus wrestled with what he knew the next day would bring, Jesus said to his friends, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, saying that he's overwhelmed, overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. If Jesus couldn't escape that, should we have any thoughts about escaping it ourselves? Or should our thoughts rather be on being equipped to handle the suffering that is before us? Um, Paul, he also understands that he had an amazing insight um, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. So again, Paul was in travail. He was in anguish. He was suffering. Indeed, our heart, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Is our focus right? That's the key issue. And we'll have a look at that focus in just a very, very brief time. Um, The psalmist, the writer of the psalms, also understands Psalm 69. I have come into the deep water. The floods engulf me. Do not let the floodwaters engulf me or the depth swallow me or the pit close its mouth over me. You know, all of those verses, Jesus, Paul, the psalmist, refer to the fact that suffering is very real, very real, and it does not discriminate. Just by being good, you're not going to avoid suffering. By being bad, you're not going to necessarily incur all the suffering of the world. But if we're bad, then obviously we're going to affect the um, 
the environment that we live in, that we are engaged in. We sometimes suffer through our own choices, and this is probably the hardest one that um, that will come to play in our daily lives. Um, let's have a look at the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, does the punishment fit the crime? For goodness sakes, all Adam and Eve did was have a stroll around, see a fruit they like, plucked it off and ate it. That's all. And for that, we have life year after year, decade after decade, millennia after millennia of separation from God until Jesus came 2,000 years ago. But here's really what happened. They were tempted, and being tempted isn't a sin. Jesus was tempted in all ways like we are, but he never yielded. They yielded to the temptation. They felt shame. If we do wrong, we know that we've messed up and we feel guilty, we feel ashamed. They knew God wouldn't like what they did, so they hid. Then they began accusing each other and ultimately God. Adam said, she did it. The woman you put there for me. Eve said, not my fault, the serpent did it. And the poor serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but God still loved them. And because he loved them, he actually created a means for them to go ahead, even though there was going to be suffering here on earth. He covered them up. He didn't have to bear their nakedness for everyone to see forever. He covered them up. He gave them a bit of comfort. He gave them protection. And... When we think about it, it's, a really, it's really a reflection of the human heart. From temptation to doubt, to disobedience, to shame, to hiding, to finger-pointing, to suffering. Is there really a question about how this story in Genesis is a reflection of the human heart even today, thousands of years later? We are predisposed to doing the wrong thing because God, in his amazing wisdom, gave us free choice. And in that free choice, we will choose to do good many times, but sometimes we will mess up. And some people who have no idea about morals, ethics, standards, and all the rest of it will actually mess up fairly badly, and that badly will affect others. We told only yesterday that a 36-year-old Spanish man lied and that was the straw that broke the camel's back for us going into lockdown it was just a little lie that's all just a little lie and yet have a look at the suffering that that caused millions millions I dare say hundreds of millions of dollars will be lost in a few days because of one little lie and it will be very interesting to actually discover why he lied why do we do the things that we do why don't we do the things that we don't do? Is it for fear, shame, embarrassment of being caught? Um, Dorothy Redman, a beautiful pastor, uh, many, many years ago, uh, she and I were talking about stuff, godly stuff, and she said, Alan, I'm ashamed. She said, I don't speed, not because I know it's the right thing to do, but I don't speed because I don't want to get caught. 
And I think if we honestly ask ourselves in a heart of hearts, that's actually a great motivator for most of us. Well, I won't do that because if I do and I get caught, someone will not like me. Someone will blame me. Someone, 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 someone. Whereas if we did the right things from the beginning, it's all good before God. And that's the key. So here's the way forward. Um, Romans 5, and I love that Romans passage that you read out too, Carol. That was good. Uh, Romans 5, verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. That passage was always very confusing to me. How on earth could, you know, suffering, endurance, character, hope come into play until um, one day, not that long ago actually, God's Holy Spirit showed me an analogy and um, for those of you that know the sins of my past, I used to love my baseball. Um, I was very passionate about it and it's probably the reason why this body is suffering the way it is right now. But when I was trying to play at the top level, we had to get fit. And so there were laps, there were push-ups, there were lift levels, everything. There was a lot of suffering. But the more we suffered, the more we were able to endure. And as we endured, then our character was able to come forward. Instead of being fearful and frightful and not confident, we actually developed the confidence to be able to do that which we were expected to do. And once we got there, then we dared to have the hope that we might be selected for the team. One day we'll be selected. So suffering, endurance, character, hope is really just a normal way of living through trial and tribulation. We don't avoid it. Had I avoided the first few laps, you know, we had Billy Neal. Um, he was a, an amazing footy trainer. And in the first session that he came out, we had to do 32 laps of Adelaide Oval, uh, sorry, Norwood Oval. 32 laps. Well, I think 90% of us wanted to give up after two or three. But he said, no, hang in there. Keep on going. doesn't matter how long you, you, you take, you will do it. 32 laps. Trust me, the next 32 the week after were a lot easier. And the next 32 the week after that were a lot easier. And so it is with our faith. If we exercise our faith, the, ma- the muscle memory of that faith becomes stronger and better and richer. And therefore we can endure. Therefore it will develop our character. And therefore it will give us hope for whatever is coming ahead. Pray. That's what James says, James 5, Pray. James tells us to pray, but here's the most challenging question that I'll probably ask today. How do we pray? How do we pray? I'm not sure if I've got that up on PowerPoint, Dave. I may or may not. I'm not 100% sure. Yep, lovely. Do we pray that God will take away the pain? That's often our first response. Or do we pray that God will stop the suffering somehow? God intervene miraculously, just stop this suffering. Or do we pray that God will convict the perpetrator of their wrong? 
And you know, in, in this day and age where there's been so many cases of abuse, child abuse, through all the uh, ages, decades, it's very relevant. Do we, what do we pray for? Um, I've shared with my team, I was abused as a child, um, but that didn't define me. It only made me stronger. And we can either slip into the victim. I was a victim back there. Now I'm no longer a victim. I'm an overcomer. And there's a massive difference between being a victim and having that victim mentality for 72 years, which is incidentally how old I am, a little bit younger than uh, Sam who celebrated another little milestone yesterday compared to that one. (laughs) Well done. Um, But what is our attitude to the suffering? What is our attitude and what do we do with it? It's a critical question that we need to ask ourselves. And I see so many people being tormented by what they're still going through. Or do we pray that we will be released from the effect of the suffering? Um, This old grey mare has got quite a few physical injuries, but it doesn't affect my mental attitude one little bit. It may slow me down, not may, it does, but it does not affect my attitude to life does not affect my attitude to God. It does not affect, it does not affect, it does not affect. It just means I sometimes have to take a lolly or two just to get over some pain and discomfort. Or if we're in a praying mode, do we pray that God will strengthen us to endure and overcome the trials and tribulations so that he will get the glory and that his ways and his love will be revealed to others through our example 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink, it doesn't matter, whatever you're doing, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If we suffer, do we suffer because of PPM, poor, poor me? Or do we suffer and say, God, let this be a witness to my neighbour, to the hospital staff, to my family, that my trust and hope is in you. It makes a massive difference to the journey, not necessarily the outcome, but to the journey. And I I, I find it fascinating how different people suffer differently. Um, When Jesus heard about Lazarus um, having gone to sleep or died, um, his first discussion with Martha was fascinating He gets alongside of her, she comes out to meet him, and they start talking eschatology, the resurrection. And then Jesus eventually says, well, do you know what, Martha? I'm actually the resurrection. And so they have an academic, apologetic discussion about the resurrection. Mary comes out with a bunch of followers and she's crying and she's weeping. She's brokenhearted because she's lost her brother. What did Jesus do? Did he go into the resurrection mode and give an academic statement about how good or bad the resurrection times are going to be? No, no, no. He sat down there with her and her people and cried. There's no formula for actually helping people going through their pain. The Holy Spirit will lead us into our own pain and he will lead us into others' pain and how to minister. Are you a Mary or a Martha? Jesus will minister to you differently. Are you ministering to a Mary or a Martha? You need to minister differently. 
because their suffering would not be reached. Mary's suffering would not be reached through an academic discussion. Martha's suffering would not be realised and fulfilled and eased if Jesus only sat down and wept with her. She wanted a reason. She wanted a, a, a reason for this suffering. Why did it happen? And What's going to happen? And we've got to be so, so aware of what the Holy Spirit is saying. So we had a look at some of the problems are our own choices. Some are natural disasters, if we can go there, thanks, Dave. When Jesus is talking, um, Luke 13, now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate has mixed with their sacrifices. How gruesome. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Now that last sentence sounds a bit odd. Talking about the Galileans and their blood being mixed with the sacrifices and then it says, unless you repent, you too will perish. And then it gives this other illustration. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And here's the bottom liner. The Pharisees very much believed in cause and effect. If you were naughty, you got punished. If you were good, you got rewarded. Very simple. Jesus says, no, these things happened just because, just because. The ultimate punishment, however, that's waiting all of us is because you haven't repented and turned away from your wicked choice. So he used the analogy and their thinking to actually tell them that they completely messed up in their thinking. It's not about being good and bad and how being receptive to being good will get you good rewards or having bad will actually get you bad rewards. The issue is, unless you repent of your good deeds and your bad deeds, then we are destined for not a good place. So here's the bottom line for this morning. You can only control, you and I can only control what we can control. Who here has tried to control a hurricane? Who's tried to control an earthquake? Who's tried to control anything outside of themselves? Oh, look, if you're married, you know, it's not a good idea to try and control the other person. (laughs) Not a good idea. We can only control our choices, our responses. And the better prepared we are, the better we will be able to control our responses. Um, when you have a look at Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, control of self. And if we can control ourself in our attitudes and our responses, what's our first response when people attack us? How dare you? I'm right. Well, Maybe. Or should we say, hey, look, thanks for pointing that out. I wasn't aware. Thanks so much. You're a real friend. really appreciate that. Our preparation to be corrected is incredibly vital to the whole process of reconciliation. 
later on you can say, hey, look, I've been thinking and praying about that. I don't think it's quite what you measured. Here are the other extenuating circumstances that you had factored in. And you give a little explanation, but you don't... Oh, as I was driving up, I was listening to some wonderful songs on 1611 Vision Radio and a car <laughs> came screaming on the inside. There were two cars in front of me, came screaming up on the inside about two or three centimetres from the other car and started beeping its horn and then started swerving as they wanted to cut in front of me. The car in front of me was going the same speed. And he just darted in, darted out, got in front of the car, slammed on the brakes, nearly caused another accident. Nothing. Why? A, a day when you've been released from being in lockdown, this is your attitude, this is how you carry on, instead of being thankful that you're actually able to be out on the road and share the road with someone else, not claim all three lanes for yourself. You and I can only control our actions, our reactions, our responses. Personal tragedies don't ask for our permission before being dumped on us. There's a wonderful story as I close uh, about Eastern religions and um, some Eastern religions believe in karma. If you've been good, then in the next life you will get rewarded. One of the fundamental flaws of that theology, sociology, whatever it is, is that a person believes that they're not to help others who are lower than themselves because it's going to influence, impede or damage their own journey to the next life. And so that's why you see many, many people suffering in the streets of India say, well, that's okay, that's where they belong. You know, in the next life they'll get their reward. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says when someone's crying, cry with them. When someone's laughing, laugh with them. When someone's rejoicing, rejoice with them. If someone's hurting, hurt with them. Get alongside of them. And when you're in that situation of being in pain, allow others to come to you. Let them share the load as you share the load. You don't take on that issue, but you take on the, their pain and just journey with them. Mary or Martha. Do you have a logical discussion or do you sit down and cry with them in silence? I have a sense as I was driving up that many people, um, even some listening in, watching in, um, may need a breakthrough in an area of their life that things are just getting a little bit too hard. It's just one issue on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. There's one term in the Old Testament that was given to God, Baal Perizim. And what it means is God of the breakthrough. And they prayed that God would break through the defences of the enemy. And he did. And they set up pillars of stone and named that place Baal Perizim. Do you need a breakthrough today? God wants to help you there. He may not do it all by himself. He will need you to journey with him, to submit yourself to his will, to get alongside of him, to get an understanding of what it is that he wants and how he wants to promote that particular situation. 
Baal Perizim. There's a breakthrough that is there. And if the breakthrough isn't immediate and imminent, then him comforting you is. The comforting is imminent and immediate. And we can claim that right now. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks. We dare to give you thanks that we actually have trials and tribulations because they reveal our humanity, they reveal our weaknesses and they reveal our need and dependence on a, a greater God, a greater power, the Holy Spirit and a greater example, Jesus Christ. Father, we give you thanks that in all these things, you are journeying with us. Thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you haven't abandoned us. But just as you suffered, we suffer. Just as you had the victory, we too will have the victory. We commit all things to you, Lord. Because you and you alone have the glory and the honour. I just, I just realised that I actually forgot Johnny Erickson. Um, th- th- this is important. Johnny Erickson Tata, who, who remembers her? Yeah, the 16-year-old who jumped off a pier and broke her neck and is a quadriplegic. These are, these are some of her quotes that we'll leave with you. Suffering provides the gym equipment on which my faith can be exercised. Beautiful. Come on, admit it. When your heart is being wrung out like a sponge, when you feel like salt is being poured into your wounded soul, you don't want a thin, pale, emotional Jesus who relates only to lambs and birds and babies. You want mighty. You want the strong arm of an unshakable grip of God who will not let you go no matter what. And finally, as a matter of fact, God isn't asking you to be thankful He's asking you to give thanks. There's a big difference. One response involves emotion. The other, your choices. Your decisions about a situation, your intent, your step of faith. May God bless you. And look, if anyone wants to talk to me afterwards, I'll be hanging around for a little while, so feel free. God bless you and um, thanks for being here and thanks for watching too. May God's word not return void and achieve the purposes for which he intended, not me. God bless you. Thanks, Eve. Let's respond to what God's been saying by singing. Let's respond to what God's been saying to us by singing about the fact that he is in control and that we can surrender to him and submit to his will, just as Alan said, and know his comfort. I invite you to stand wherever you are.
God, you've spoken us over us this morning. We thank you for the words that we've just sung, that we can find our rest in you. That no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we know that you, Lord, love us. And you are, like Alan said, that loving Father who just wraps his arms around us. So Lord, just pray your blessing on everyone here and at home. That they'll take what's been spoken this morning. And they, like Alan said, wouldn't it wouldn't be void, but you'd you'd take it, Lord, and you'd do a new thing in people's hearts that'd be transformed by the word that's been spoken. In Jesus' name, Amen. Baal Baal Perizim. Is that it? Baal Perizim. Baal Perizim. Um, you know, if you're wanting a breakthrough, uh, I know it's a, it's a different day today. And normally we'd say, um, meet us for prayer. Can I invite you, if, if you're at home and, and you're needing a breakthrough, don't, don't waste this opportunity. Maybe go for a walk in the backyard alone. Uh, maybe give someone a call, a prayer partner. Uh, reach out to someone and say, Lord, I, there's, there is suffering in my life. There, there are circumstances that I feel are overtaking me. Lord, I, I need that, that breakthrough. And um, yeah, as, as Alan shared right from the very beginning about, about this morning, what he wanted to preach on, um, I really felt like you're obedient to the Spirit and, and that he really wanted to speak that word to many of us today. I know that when restrictions were announced, my heart dropped. And I sang, I thought, not again. And I just felt suffering in that. And I thought, like, thank you so much, Alan. Can we just put up the, the slide from James 5 where it talked about how we pray? Because I'd like to just pray this as a benediction for us uh, this morning. I want to pray it over uh, everyone who's listening and, and for us this morning. So it's the, um, the, the slide that talks about, you know, do we do this? Do we pray like this? Or do we pray like that? I want to, I want to pray this as a prayer. As, as, a, as a benediction, as we go out from here, let us pray. We pray, God, that you will strengthen us. You'll strengthen us to endure and to Baal Perizim, <laughs> the trials and tribulations, so that you, Lord, will get the glory. And so that your ways and your love will be revealed to others through our example. And that is our prayer. Bless you. And may you go uh, in that, that through others, others through our example, will come to know him. May that be our prayer. Bless you as you go forward from here. And uh, as, as you're at home, I encourage you, reach out, ring, ring someone, get on, on the phone, talk to someone uh, for that breakthrough to come. Bless you. And we'll catch you hopefully next week from here. Hopefully we'll be back to normal. If not, we'll be letting you know uh, what we're going to be doing next week. So until then, God bless and we'll see you then. Bye.